Welcome back to the channel. Glenn Greenwald just tweeted the following, quote, The level of historical ignorance, sheer stupidity, and corporate serving malevolence required to believe the U.S. security state is trying to combat disinformation rather than aggressively spread it is so extreme that no words in the English language suffice to describe it. I thought we might take a moment today to run through some of the most egregious cases of the United States government lying, spreading misinformation, disinformation, and then consider with the Department of Homeland Security now having within it a Ministry of Truth where we stand. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. I'm going to quickly run through a list of historical events that illustrate what the United States government has done, is willing to do, and is willing to blatantly lie about. I won't be going into detail on any of them. This would be a very long video. Instead, all I'm looking to do is refresh your memory. Then I'm going to share some information with you that I'm confident you don't know about the U.S. government because I am one of the few people not directly involved who knows what the government did, what went down. So let's start with our list. Tuskegee syphilis study took place from 1932 to 1972. It only ended when its existence was leaked to the media. If you're unfamiliar, this was the United States government telling poor blacks down in the South that the government was going to provide them with free health care, when in fact, what it was doing was running syphilis experiments on them and allowing syphilis to run its course and make them sick and die so that the government could study that. Oh, by the way, that whole program was run by the Centers for Disease Control. Next up, an incident. Oh, my gosh. This goes, I learned about it probably 10 or 12 years ago, which is why the details are going to be a little sketchy today. But it goes like this. There was a gentleman who was uh, relatively an expert at aerial bomb sites. This took place during the Korean conflict. And he was assigned domestically in the United States. And he was going up in these airplanes. And they were testing... Uh, new or improved bomb sites. And he was the he was the scientist who would go up in the plane. And he told his wife, he said, these planes are falling apart. They are so rickety. I, I, every time I go up, I fear the plane is going to crash and I'm going to die. And the, <laughs> one of the planes crashed and he died. So his widow, knowing about the maintenance issues, sued the United States government for allowing her husband to die for lack of appropriate maintenance on the aircraft. The United States government came into court uh, and said, no, sorry, this case cannot proceed because this is a national security matter. And there is a law in the United States that a federal judge must terminate a case, dismiss it, if the Department of Defense comes in with a written signed statement that's a national security matter, which they did. So she got bubbicus. Then 25 years later, when that file was declassified, she was able to find out that there was, in fact, no national security issues about that crash whatsoever. But there was notes by an attorney in the file that said, there's no way we can defend this. So if we declare it a national security matter, then the judge will have to dismiss the case. 
1953, Operation Ajax. They, Iran had a duly elected president, Mohammed Mossadegh, who w- believed in secular government, the very same thing that we believe in here in the United States. And wouldn't it be great if all these years Iran, all these decades, Iran had had a secular government? But Mosaday knew that the oil companies were not giving Iran its fair share. As for the contract, they were cheating. So, so when he got into office, he said, no, 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 either you're going to pay us our fair share, exactly what the contract entitles us to, or you're not going to pump oil here anymore. So the CIA went into action with the Brits, but it was primarily the CIA, and they created a coup <laughs> to unseat Mosaday. And of course, that led to the Shah. The Shah led to the co- to Ayatollah Khomeini. And of course, all of this was denied vociferously by the United States government until the documents were declassified in 2013. And it turned out it was all true. The infamous Cointelpro, you're probably all familiar with that. Uh, that was the U.S. government placing undercover operatives inside lawful political organizations to gather intel on them. It started in 1956. And of course, the government denied the whole thing. Until 1971, when activists broke into an FBI office and actually took with them when they left documents from the FBI showing, yeah, it was all true. Project Mockingbird. The CIA, who's not, its charter does not allow it to operate in the United States, was performing warrantless wiretaps on American reporters here in the United States, and of course, claiming it wasn't happening until documents were declassified, and it was turned out as of night as of 2007, we now know it was all true. By the way, Project Mockingbird, which is what I'm talking about, is different than Operation Mockingbird, which I'm not going to get into today. Operation Northwood, 1962. The highest-ranking generals in the U.S. military from the Pentagon went to JFK in the Oval Office and said, here's what we want to do. We want to engage in staged and real terrorist attacks in the United States, killing U.S. citizens so that we can attack Cuba. They wanted to blame Cuba and then attack Cuba. Fortunately, JFK turned them down flat. The truth was not revealed until these documents were declassified decades later. The Gulf of Tonkin incident, where supposedly Vietnamese naval vessels attacked the USS Maddox. I'm not going to go into the whole story. It is intriguing. It's fascinating, but I'm not going to go into it here today. It would take too long. Suffice to say that it was the, the, the claims made as to what happened in the Gulf of Tonkin was used by the politicians at the highest levels of the United States to cause the American public to support a significantly increased presence in Vietnam that led us into the whole Vietnam debacle. And it was all a lie. The U.S.'s Maddox was never attacked. This was revealed in 2008 when the NSA's historian revealed that the NSA had cooked the data before handing it off to the politicians to make it look like an attack had really happened. And lest you think the politicians were innocent. Some of them knew exactly what the NSA had done, and they knew exactly what the truth is, and they told the American people the lie. The U.S. government siege of the Branch Davidian compound in Waco, Texas, 1993. This is where I'm going to get into a little bit of personal information. I'm going to try and make this really short, at least as short as I can, given the nature of it. 
that entire incident began with official documents filed with the ATF and with the court for warrants and so forth by a ATF special agent by the name of Nathaniel Madrano, commonly known as Nate. I had some interaction with Nate early on in my life. <clears throat> um, yeah, not a good person. We'll just leave it at that. His partner was salt of the earth, but but Nate was horrible. And Nate interviewed the last person to leave the Branch Davidian compound at Waco. Actually, he left the Branch Davidians, period. But he'd been living for about three years at the Waco compound. He became disenchanted, decided he wanted to get back to his regular life. And so he, he packed a car quietly when no one was looking. And then in the middle of the night, he went out and got in the car and drove away. And he was the last person known to have disassociated with that compound in Waco, Texas. Well, he was interviewed multiple times by Nathaniel Madrano. And this individual told Madrano, he had never seen any select fire weapons during his years there, and he had participated in firearms training with the group. And he said there were no select fire weapons. Select fire means you can move the selector from safe to semi to full. When you go to full, that kind of thing, right? Which they didn't have any licenses for. So if they had had those weapons, that would have been a violation of federal law. The individual who was the last to leave the compound and had been there for years said, no, I, in all the firearms training that I've participated in and all of it that I've observed and all of the conversations at the compound and all of the weapons I've personally seen and handled, it was never, ever a select fire weapon there. He also told Madrano that in all the years that he was there, he had never observed a single incident of child abuse. He said, sure, you know, kids got spanked, like in many home households in America, but abuse, nothing more than spanking. He told him it had never happened. He had never observed it to happen. It would probably be a better way to say that in all of his years there. And this individual who was uh, giving this information to Madrano um, was personally known to me. I uh, had a history with him to the extent where when he was with the Branch Davidians, the Branch Davidians second in command, Steve, it's been too many years, I've forgotten his last name. He died there uh, at Waco in the siege. Uh, he stayed at my home with this other individual who I will not name. Um, and the individual who was giving this information to Madrano is an impeccably honest individual. Uh, if he said there were no select fire weapons and I observed no child abuse during my three years there, then that's his truthful experience of his time there. So what did Madrano do? He swore out a warrant to a federal judge saying that there was child abuse there and there were select fire weapons there. And of course, as you know, the rest is history. Another thing the public generally doesn't know is after the whole thing was finished, after the congressional hearings were done, Janet Reno, who was the U.S. Attorney General at that time, summonsed Madrano to her office in D.C. Okay. So special agents out in the field, <laughs> unless something is seriously amiss, they do not get summons to a personal meeting with the attorney general. Madrano did. After he left the attorney general's office, he got on a plane. He flew back to Los Angeles where his partner picked him up at LAX. They drove to 300 North Los Angeles Street, which at that time was where their office was up on, I believe, if I recall correctly, the sixth floor. Madrano went into his office, closed the door, pulled out his service Beretta, 
and shot himself in the head. The presumption is that Janet Reno had learned that the entire thing was a lie and she was going to publicly hang Madrano. He was going to go on trial for all of the deaths. What was it? 73 Davidians died there? He was going to go on trial for that. That's the presumption. So got back to LA, capped himself. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But the point in the context of this presentation is the whole thing was a lie front to back. And to this very day, the United States government has never admitted that. 9-11, there's so much to say about that. I'm going to try and keep this really short. I'm going to focus on the Pentagon and the Pentagon only. Um, more cameras on that building than any other building of its, of its kind. And despite the fact that it is super camera intensive, not a single photograph of the airliner that allegedly hit the Pentagon, there is one photograph from a parking lot which uh, shows a plume of white exhaust smoke. That's all you can see. There, There is no aircraft. And that's what the government says is, is proof that an airliner hit the Pentagon. However, here's the thing. Commercial jetliners flying at sea level do not produ produce white plumes of smoke. It is scientifically impossible. It doesn't happen. Ever. Yet the United States government proffered that picture to show that it was a commercial, to prove uh, that it was a commercial airliner. Also, the, um, I hate to call him terrorist because he wasn't even involved, the guy who was said to be flying that commercial airliner that slammed into the Pentagon, uh, his sole experience in flying was some flight training in a prop engine small Cessna. And then in order to hit the Pentagon, if you believe the government's narrative, he, perf he performed a tight descending turn in a commercial airliner that brought him right in on the decks, right into the Pentagon. However, a test pilot with 30 years of experience flying those commercial airliners said with his 30 years of experience, he could not have completed that turn. He said the ability of that aircraft and the physics involved it was simply an impossibility. If it was alleged to be done in a commercial airliner, his point was, that is a lie. And another thing most people don't know, uh, about an hour after whatever it was hit the Pentagon, the FBI went to all of the businesses around the Pentagon, and they confiscated all of their videotapes, less to cameras pointing at something in a business, but you can actually see the flight path of the alleged airliner. Here we are today in 2022, and the United States government will still not release those tapes because it claims it's still an open investigation. They really don't know who, they can't prove who is behind it. So because it's an open investigation, that's an exception to the Freedom of Information Act. I'm hoping eventually, someday, a judge tells the government, you can keep claiming this is an open investigation, but we're done here. You know, you can go 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years claiming it's an open investigation. You're done. I say provide those tapes to the public. And my guess is when that day happens, it's going to be, sorry, judge, we looked everywhere. Uh, it's been so long, apparently... They were mistakenly destroyed or they're in a box on the other side of the country and we just don't know where they are. But we just we don't have them available, Judge, because, of course, the whole thing was a lie. Leaping forward to today. 
Hunter Biden's laptop. It was a right-wing conspiracy story that had to be suppressed, and news agencies and others who talked about it were taken down. They were deplatformed from social media for talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. Except it turned out it was all true. How about Pfizer and the government telling the American people that Pfizer's mRNA vaccine at a 95% efficacy rate at preventing infection when we just learned from documents released by the FDA after being ordered to be released by a judge when the FDA FDA told the judge, no, 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 we shouldn't be required to release these records for 55 years. Judge, that's ridiculous. Order them to release them. Documents are released. It shows that the documents that Pfizer submitted to the FDA did not show a 95% efficacy rate at preventing infection from SARS-CoV-2. It showed a 12% efficacy rate. And that rate dwindled almost immediately down to about 1%. Makes you wonder what other things we will learn about mRNA technology vaccines as time goes on. With that short list of lies, misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda that the United States government has spread and the horrific things that it has done to pursue whatever agenda it wanted to pursue, let's return to Glenn Greenwald's statement. How would he know after multiple U.S. intelligence executives uh, had stated many times under oath before Congress that the U.S. government was not engaged in a mass collection of the telephone records of the American public, Greenwald was one of three reporters, the best known of three reporters, who broke the story using Snowden's data that proved that, in fact, the United States government was doing Exactly that. So, yes, it is absolutely absurd to imagine that now the Department of Homeland Security has an internal ministry of truth that its goal is to actually fight or suppress misinformation or disinformation. The United States government is the single largest purveyor of misinformation and disinformation on the planet Earth. And the only thing it's going to use its ministry of truth for is to suppress and to silence those who present evidence that disproves the government's misinformation, disinformation, and criminal acts. One of the government's most destructive and long-running disinformation campaigns has been to convince the American people that if you live and work in the United States, you get up in the morning, you have a little breakfast, you have a cup of coffee, you get the kids up to school, you go to work and you earn some money that you owe some to the United States government. And I might add, it's arguably the United States government's most successful disinformation campaign, because I'm going to go out on a limb here and say probably 97 or 98% of the American public believes That's true. They believe that if they go out and earn a living, they are legally required to file a return and give some of that to the United States government. And that's a blatant freaking lie. But as I said, probably 97 or 98% of the U.S. population believes it's true because of how successful the U.S. government's disinformation campaign has been. And it's just like any of these examples we talked about earlier. The truth is there. The facts are there. And 
unlike some of these things that were national security matters where the average American citizen could not get their hands on the facts in order to determine that the government is or was involved in a disinformation campaign, in this case, you have the ability to see the entire scam laid out from A to Z, how it was developed, when it was developed, what they've said, how they've hidden it, how they've run their disinformation campaign, and perhaps most importantly, the fact that because it has always been a lie and it has always been a disinformation campaign, probably 99 out of 100 of you who are watching and listening to me right now, you've never owed a penny in income tax. And as you look forward from this day forward, you will never owe a penny in income tax, and you have no requirement to file a Form 1040 or an 1120 if you're a business person. The only, the only reason you believe that is you are a victim of one of the most successful disinformation campaigns ever run by the United States government. However, if you'd like to know the truth, I want to encourage you to read Income tax shattering the myths. As I said, it goes from A to Z. I, I couldn't tell you how many tens of thousands of people I've read it since its release in first published 2010, I believe. And in 12 years, the reader feedback has been 100% consistent. And by that, I mean, when you close the final page, you will say, what Dave said in that presentation about the income tax being a disinformation campaign, he was absolutely correct. I have seen not this little piece of information, not that little piece of evidence, but you will say to yourself, I have now seen truckloads of information, more evidence than, than any 10 human beings could ever need to know that the government has lied and this has been a massive disinformation campaign and that myself and my fellow Americans have never owed a penny in income tax and they've never been required to file forms like 1040 and we've all been lied to by the government. Now, what you do with that information is up to you, but my personal opinion, every single American should know the truth. They choose to do with it is up to them. However, everyone should know. And, and even the people who find out the truth <clears throat> and say, it's absolutely true. All of it's true. But I'm scared. I'm going to keep filing returns. I'm going to keep paying the tax. At least you can tell others it's true. At least you can do your part as a fucking American. So go to drreality.news. Grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. Oh, and while you're there, Pick up a copy of Body Science. I'm not going to go into a big thing about that. I will simply say, yeah, all these things we've talked about today, all the various examples I've given you up to, including the largest, most successful disinformation campaign in the history of the United States being the income tax, something very similar has happened concerning nutritional physiology, which is why America is, at this time, the most chronically ill society in the history of mankind. Despite our technology, despite our science, despite our wealth, despite our abundance, all of these things should have made us the most healthy people in the history of mankind. In fact, it's just the opposite. The American public is the most ill, chronically ill society in all of mankind's history. And that's because of the same kind of disinformation and misinformation campaigns have been run in that area. So pick yourself up a copy of Body Science and what you will learn. Again, I'm not going to go into great detail, but you will learn how to avoid every single lifestyle chronic disease that is currently plaguing the United States. It's like a freaking plague. And you don't 
have to play that game. You can simply read body science and go, oh, all right, I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be one of the people with heart disease at 65. I'm not going to be one of the people with Alzheimer's. I'm not going to be one of the people with type 2 diabetes. And on and on and on. I'm going to avoid all of that and stay healthy and happy and live a wonderful life. Body science will give you the tools, the information to do that. So again, go to drreality.news, grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist and Body Science. And in doing so, if you value these sort of presentations, you help me to continue to be here for you. Thanks.